and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, really appreciate your company tonight. Uh, before I introduce my guests, uh, one of which is a, a former City player I remember fondly from uh, the 80s. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute or two. But first of all, I just want to thank Charles Louis Group, who is an advisory business, advice on uh, development finance, mortgage advice and estate agency. They started out life as a simple mortgage company offering buy to let, first time buying and moving home mortgages. But they now provide support for the whole property transaction process, including an independent estate agent and an expert commercial financial team and a renowned mortgage team. They're very good as well. Contact them. If you go to the website, charleslouis.co.uk, ask for Dave or one of his team, Big Blues, and, and they'll sort you out. And I know personal experience a friend of mine who shall remain nameless is going through them at the moment and he has recommended them to me any as well so there you go got even more backup right now the three guests i have with me today are from florida no less we have steve kinsey who was a city star in the 80s we have andy and we have amy so welcome to the three of you let me start by uh, talking a little bit about the game, then I'll ask Steve a few questions, um, and and then we've got a few other subjects to talk about. So, first of all, uh, City against Arsenal, 1-0 victory, 18 wins in a row. Um, not the most thrilling of games, I have to say, uh, so not a lot of talking points from that match. Um, rather than me sum it up, Andy, um, well, what's your verdict on that game? Well, uh, thanks, Ian. Um, won't be one I remember, uh, I think it's fair to say. Um, thought we were going to really start tearing into them after the first 10 minutes. Seemed to be that we decided to pull up stumps fairly early on in the game and preserve energy for the week ahead. And that probably we weren't even down one gear, even two. Um, I thought that it was clear that, as I said to you before, it was always going to be one of our, let's say, triangle of Diaz, uh, Stones or, or Fernandinho, who was going to be the outstanding player in that game. And as it turned out, the three of them were. And I think that summed the game up for me. We, don't, we didn't have any real teeth going forward. We didn't need it. They were never going to be uh, any, getting over us. They never had a shot on goal. So you can look at it from a purist point of view and say, wow, that's a team that can defend. No one's going to take us out. And that's a really good thing for what's coming. But as a spectacle, you know, I'd have been better off uh, scratching off moss off my patio. <laughs> well, you're not the only one to say that. I mean, I saw a tweet on social media a little earlier on um, from Bertie. I'm just trying to find it now. I'll read it out to you when I get to it. Um, in fact, I've found it quicker than I thought I'd find it. So let me read this out. Uh, dire, this. 20 outfield players doing the bare minimum. That's how he summed it up. Um, there'll be a lot of people, though, delighted that City have got the three points again and obviously uh, maintain their advantage at the top. And with everybody falling away, I've said it before on the podcast, it feels like an absolute foregone conclusion, this title race. Um, it's just now, now about whether the cup competitions go City's way as well. Did you get frustrated that your hero, Sergio, hasn't come on, Amy? Because I've also seen a couple of people on, on Twitter, the one being very harsh, actually, um, saying that he thought that the way that Kun um, was being treated by the manager was disgraceful. Now, 
that's a very strong comment from one person who shall remain nameless, but you're a, an Aguero fan. So how do you feel about the way Sergio Aguero is being treated and his lack of appearances? I, mean, I was I was thought, because Pep didn't say anything about him in his interview, I thought he was going to play. Because um, normally they ask who's you know who's not coming on, who's ever, and all he said was Nathan Aki. And I thought, oh, right, okay, you know, it sounds hopeful. And then, like me and Andy said before, he was running about, warming up, and then Jesus comes on. I thought, all oh, right, maybe he's waiting till, like, you know, towards the end, like he does, you know, like Phil Foden's been stood on the line, like, nearly to the end of the match and not come on. But, yeah, it was... Um, I don't know if he's still being cautious with him or is it because of what he said, well, supposedly, and I'll put it in inverted commas, because things can get construed, misconstrued um, about, you know, what he said the other day. Um, what did he say the other day then? Because I've not seen this. So apparently, I mean, it was all over Twitter that he's finally broke his silence about what he wants to do at the end of the season. Um because he's been obviously he's kept quiet for ages. Um, and it said that he doesn't really, he still doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, and he's going to wait and see, sort of thing. A bit like KDB, I suppose. But um, I don't know whether it is Pep still being cautious with him. I don't know. But I do hope it is just because he wants to keep him fit and, you know, ready to, raring to go. It might because obviously we have got a lot of games and hopefully. Fingers crossed, he's back. He's back on on the field. Um, but yeah, given the way City playing at the moment, do you want him back on the field? I mean, I know you're a fan, so I suppose it goes without saying in a way. But the argument might be that the way that they're playing in this perfect team unit with no designated striker, that maybe they're playing better without him. I would like, because, you know, I mean, Gundogan's been absolutely amazing. I, you can't fault how good he's been. But you, we still need, you know, it's like today. I mean, as much as Jesus is good, he doesn't he doesn't play make very much. And Sterling's still doing strictly come dancing in the box instead of just firing him in. Um, you know, I just think that we definitely need that. We definitely need that someone to come on and shoot just shoot just shoot a goal in for god's sake like it's not hard is it like even i could do it like <laughs> I just, like you know i just it just really infuriates me mares does it occasionally and all it really drives me mad you're not casper you're not gonna get through like five men just just do something just shoot i don't know but yeah we definitely need we definitely need Aguero back. We definitely, and I don't know what's up with Torres, but we need him and all. It's just we'd need that out and out striker to just come on and do something. Right, let's bring in the expert then, uh, the ex-player Steve from Florida. Um, you you obviously watch from afar. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about your history as a City fan as well as being a player in just a second. But how do you feel about? Aguero about the game today you know just give us your initial thoughts well obviously we started we started great and of all the ways I thought we were going to score a goal it won't wouldn't have been that one I thought uh, Mara's I thought the first half of I actually thought he played really well and then the first you know the first what was it one and a half minutes of the game he gets the ball he attacks his, he attacks the left back really well 
And for whatever reason, these defenders nowadays just keep backing off and backing off until they're in the box. And I've never seen so many defenders as well. You know, um, I know they're all trying to keep their arms, you know, to the side of the body. But they were defending, their arms were behind the back. I don't know how you can possibly shift from one side to the other and do that. So he was turning the left back inside out, Maris was. Uh, and I thought he put a fantastic ball into him. And it was a great header as well to finish. But I thought the defending was terrible. There's three defenders there and they're all marking like a zone, but nobody's marking the five foot seven player in the box. And he gets up really well. And I thought it was a great finish. I thought, um, I think it was only like three or four minutes after that, De Bruyne plays the best ball of the game. He splits the defence. Sterling's through one-on-one, and I'm thinking, shoot, shoot, shoot. And he tries to sit the defender down on his backside, um, which he does, but then his touch lets him down, and before you know it, just rolls to the keeper. So I actually thought... um, I thought I thought the first half was was all right. It wasn't a, you know it wasn't a classic or anything like that. But I thought you know we controlled the game. I thought if Arsenal were going to have any success, it was on their left side, attacking um, on their left side. They were getting plenty of crosses in there. But um, overall, like I said, it was just one of those games where I was thinking, all right, one nil. Let's just you know I was just look, looking for the whistle to go and to go eighteen games um, undefeated. Well, we've done that, and uh, obviously they now go to uh, well, it isn't Borussia Mönchengladbach, of course. It's uh, it's a neutral country because of COVID, but they go to the European game now yeah. in midweek. So we'll see what happens. Now, let me ask just, you a just, just, just a second, just a second, yeah, uh, just to uh, pull Steve up here. Uh, Sterling did say after the game he was five foot seven and a half. <laughs> that's a big difference let me well, tell you know you. what that yeah, was then he was, he, probably, he was probably standing on his wallet yeah, don't, don't forget the half <laughs> right let me let me just for the purposes of people who are not as old as me because I'm old and obviously Steve's old too um, I know Andy's quite old but not quite I as feel, old I feel better now you've said that Ian thank you <laughs> so just just remind the, the I, I saw every minute you played in a City shirt um, and really enjoyed watching you play. I saw your blonde locks flowing along as you went around like will-o'-the-wisp and always gave 100% of effort. And I personally, genuinely, um, I know the, the danger is whenever we have an ex-player on and I say nice things, it's just I'm just saying it for effect, but it's just not the truth. The truth is that I absolutely admired you and was a, was a fan. I mean, obviously, they weren't the best of times for City, but I love right. watching you play. Just tell us your story because you are a proper blue um, from being a child, um, mm-hmm. and and you you presumably dreamed of playing for City, didn't you? Yeah, I did, and uh, hey, thanks very much as well for the compliments. I've uh, I've not had um, anything like that said for for a long time, so I really appreciate that. And I'm actually Ian. I'll return the compliment and say I am a fan of yours, and I do enjoy listening to you. But the amazing thing about you, Ian, is that uh, me and me and Steph will always say, we don't go to the games that much because I'm living in Florida. But whenever I do, I don't see anybody else. But before I know it, you're right there with a <laughs> microphone. Steve, have you got a minute? I, I don't see anybody else. You know, I want to see other people. And But Ian, you find me ever. If I go to Wembley, you're there. Uh, wherever it is, you're just always there. So we always get a kick out of that. But... Um, <laughs> 
yeah, I was born in, as a, into a blue family. And um, so we had really no choice except to be, you know, a, a City fan. And, uh, and my brother really was the one that got me into the game because my brother, um, Anthony, was like seven years older than me. And I always looked up to him. And he always said, if I learned anything, if I learned anything from anybody how to play the game, it was from him. And I always think when you make it, it's always about timing, being there, the right time, the right place, somebody having some faith in you and giving you an opportunity. And even when you're playing bad, to play the next, and he never really had that. And um, so I always looked up for him and I was always playing against older players as well because with him being seven years old, older than me, I was always like with him and playing with all these friends as well. So I think that, not at the time realised it, but that was really good for me as well. So we go to the games and obviously, and even the times I couldn't afford a ticket, I'd go to the games and I just love being even outside main role, listening to the roar of the crowd. And I'd just be there outside the game, listening to it, obviously wishing I was inside. And then in those days, like the kip hats, you know, the last 10 minutes, you know, people would start leaving the game. So as they were leaving out, I'd just do whatever it took to get running up those steps and catch the last, you know, 10 minutes watching my heroes. And um, like I said, I just love the game. What was it like then when you finally got to pull a sky blue shirt on in, in anger? Well, do you know what? I was lucky where I, I, I got signed for City when I was 14, um, schoolboy forms. And they said to me at the time, you know, we, we want you to sign schoolboys now and then, um, you know, sign apprentice when you're 16 and then sign pro at 17. And uh, I remember when... Um, you know, Tony Buck and uh, Bernard Alford actually came to the house to sign me. And there was about 50 people outside the house because, like, there was a Jaguar outside our place and nobody had ever seen a Jaguar around there. And um, and it was it was quite amazing, honestly, to have all those people outside the house. Like, it was like uh, the Queen had just come. <laughs> so uh, I, I never, never forget that. And... Uh, and like I said, they said, sign 16 apprentices, probably 17. Um, and when I got there, the first thing that I remember, I mean, you, you're there and you're walking in now to a dressing room now. Now, all of a sudden, you've got pictures up on your walls of, of players that you idolise. And now the next minute you're in the sort of like, you, you're not in their changing rooms because you're with the apprentice and the reserves at the time, you know, in the, in the two dressing rooms, the away, and then you've got the first team dressing rooms. But I even remember the times you'd have to, you know, when I, when I started uh, as an apprentice and you'd have to go in and, and, you know, clean the boots and, um, you know, pick the kit up and just to go in through to see Roy Bailey, who was the physio at the time, you know, the, because some of the, the, the senior players were just brutal, brutal. And it was very, it was tough. You had to have a very tough skin to come through in those days as well. Who, who were the brutal you know? ones then, Steve? Oh, the I'll, I'll, I'm going to say that when I write my book, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just remember, I remember uh, you know, one of my jobs as well. I, like I said, I was, I was cleaning, um, I was cleaning Joe Corrigan's boots and Joe's whatever size 12, 13 shirt. Of all the, of all the boots I've got to clean, it's Joe's and I was, spitting on them, cleaning on them, giving them the best. 
and he'd come in and he'd go, what's that? It's not good enough. And I don't want those studs. Change the studs. And then he, he had this thing, Joe. He'd come in and just hit the like, apprentices. He hit me on my arm so hard one day. I couldn't move it for about a week. He hit, it was, I, I sort of like, I can still feel it now. And uh, so just funny times like that. But the thing is, like I said, you really didn't even want to go in the changing room at the time. Um, but then I started getting into, I was very lucky as well, because like I said, uh, Malcolm was there at the time and uh, Malcolm Allison loved me. Uh, he really did uh, take to me. And I always thought if he would have been there uh, a little bit longer, you know, he would have uh, he would have played me in the first team. And I think that, that actually, I mean, and the things, I think what, what Malcolm was trying to teach at the, at the time, I see a lot of stuff then, what, what, Pep, what Pep does. You know, he wanted to encourage the players to play out of the back. He wanted the, the centre-halves to get the ball if you've got spacing, like you see Diaz do today and John Stones. If they've got space in front of them, they run into it with the ball, comfortable with the ball, and they commit somebody. As soon as they commit something, then they play it to one of the midfield players. And that's what Malcolm was trying to do, you know, years ago. So, um, you know, I had a lot of respect for him. But what happened then, it actually came to hurt me because when he got the sack, um, John Bond came in. And you remember, you know, the first, um, it was like three or four days later, he saw me in my first youth team game. And I was doing well in the youth team as well. And, um, I remember, I think we were playing like Berry away and we were winning one nothing. I think I scored as well. And he come to me and he says, uh, at, at halftime, he walked in and he says, who's Steve Kinsey? And I put my hand up like that. I'm thinking he's going to say, oh, great goal, well done and everything. And he went, you? And I can't, there'll be too many bleeps here, so I'll, 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 I won't put that in. But he says, he basically said, you keep playing like that. You will never play in the first team as long as I'm here. So, you know, I always look back at things and I go, I really did have tough skin to be able to just go, you know, forget about it and get out there and play the second half. And, and at that time as well, it's not like we had even players that would come up to us and go, oh, take no notice of him. You know, you were, you're basically on your own, you know, and that, that was tough as well. But uh, and at the same time, I have to thank John Bond as well, because eight months later, he gave me my debut against uh, uh, West uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers away, and we won three one. And um, to pull on the shirt then was just unbelievable because I thought, wow, I've actually got here to the first team. Unfortunately, you know, I didn't play that great neither. But uh, I just remember more about the game than anything. I felt shattered. I think it was the adrenaline of just being out there then. Uh, and I, was, I just remember being shattered, but at least we got a good result and we won 3-1. When I think back to your era, I think of the 3-1 win at Anfield, because obviously City haven't won many yeah, times me at too. Anfield. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think about that 5-1 against Charlton in the sunshine um, yeah. when Simo was running wild. Are those games that yeah. stand out for you? What, what do you remember as your highlights? Yeah, I you know what, to the Liverpool team, because in the 80s, they were the team. They were the best team in Europe. And, you know, like I idolised like Kenny Dadleish, um, Ian Rush. And, you know, you had Lawrence and Hanson, 
at the back and Sunas in midfield. They were just quality all the way through. <clears throat> and to run out on there. <clears throat> By the way, I have another John Bond story there as well. Hey, here's another confidence boost before you go and play the European champions. He said uh, his team talk, one and a half hours before the team talk, before the game, he said to me, um, he goes, Steve, I'm playing you. You're at the crossroads in your career right now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, dear me, here's another one. Thanks for all the confidence. Now get out there and play. That was it. <laughs> And uh, actually, this time it went well because I actually did play really well, really did. And I always go, um, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but I have seen it a few times now on, on YouTube, which is great. Is that um, somebody plays the ball into the box and Bruce Grobler comes out and drops it. And I think I'm on the edge of the box and I catch a beautiful volley and it's going in the top corner. And Phil Thompson runs back and knocks it over the crossbar. And he always go, that could that. He could have been a career changer, you know, yeah. that goal. Yeah. Uh, so I was gutted at the time. Thank goodness. Like, I think it's Kevin Bond who scored the penalty. And by the way, who else is going to take a penalty? You know, your dad was the coach. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Kevin steps up and scores. But, you know, I really enjoyed. And if you get a chance to see the game, you look at the fields as well. The pitch, this is the European champions that, you know, we're playing at Anfield. And the feel was just, it was like a mud bath. And then that's when I always think when players go, oh, could players from those years play in this? I'd love to play now because the fields are immaculate. And I still see, I still see players look down at the ground when they hit a bad pass. And I'm like, How, you know, they're like a bowling green here. How can you be looking down? Uh, and the other reason why I'd love to play nowadays as well, besides the money, and by the way, when somebody when you were talking about Aguero before, I wish somebody could say bad things to me and I'm on like 250,000. You know, I remember being on, you know, 85 pounds and there was getting a lot worse said than me. Uh, so, um, you know, it's just brilliant times. Brilliant. I just loved it. Obviously, I would have loved to have played more under John Bond as well. Would have loved to. But um, even so, he was... Uh, you know, he said some things to me. You know, I was always thankful that he did give me my uh, my debut. Well, I can feel a, a separate, longer interview coming on, which we can perhaps go into some of these things a bit more. But that's a great insight for people who aren't familiar with, with you. Um, so uh, that puts Steve into perspective. So let me ask you now, um, all three of you, um, uh, the question that I posted out on Twitter earlier today, which is uh, about the future direction that City are going to go in. It does feel to me as if City are at the crossroads at the moment. Um, there is, there is um, a big decision to be made as to whether Messi, who it seems was quite close to coming last summer, we know why he didn't, um, whether he is the number one target, whether um, Erling Haaland is the, is the number one target. We can see that Kevin De Bruyne is holding off from his contract talks at the moment uh, and the rumours are that first of all he wants a bit more which obviously his agent and, and the player always wants a bit more um, obviously a bit 85 quid isn't enough for him every week Steve so, um, <laughs> you know so he wants a bit more than that uh, but I guess he's also this is me assuming that he's thinking if Haaland or Messi or Mbappe or anybody else 
of that mm. top ilk comes in, um, you know, that's where the ego comes. I want to be on the same as I'm the top man at the moment. I get the top wages and I want to be on the same. And it also makes me wonder whether what's happening with Sergio Aguero at the moment with him not committing what he's going to do is dependent on whether his mate Messi comes in um, and, you know, what the future of the club is. Now, I put, I'm going to read a few of these out in a minute or two, but I'm going to get initially, you know, sort of your reaction to the alternatives that City face. And is it a, as big a decision to make? You know, is it our City at a crossroads? Because you can see the advantage of Messi coming in. Um, he's, he's a worldwide brand, puts City absolutely on the map. The other side of the pandemic, he should guarantee that the stadium is full again, whatever reservations people have financially or health-wise or whatever to go back in there. I'm not going to have any problems selling it if Messi's in there. But does he does he then destroy the balance of this absolutely perfect team that City have got at the moment, which is very even in terms of egos and very even in terms of talent? Is Haaland the future? His, his dad, Alfie, played for City. Um, albeit I think Leeds was probably his favoured club, but Erling, you know, seen him in a City shirt when he was a kid, obviously will have some leanings towards City. And after what happened to Alfie at Old Trafford, I don't think United would be his first choice to go to. So um, there's all that. And then then and then KDB um, is 30. Um, you know, is, is he now, um, you know, is now the time to cash in? Or would that be madness to to let kdb go so i'm going to throw that one to the three of you really and since we haven't heard from andy and, and amy for a, a little while let's start with uh, with andy then what you know there's a whole lot of you to pick through the bones of there andy where do you stand if i can remember the start of your question uh <laughs> no right, i think andy, i can I, right. okay, I, I, think, fair enough. I think i can uh, it's it's very well it's very simple really if it's a question of commerce if it's a question of filling the ground, putting shirts with names on and becoming a global brand, Lionel Messi will be a City player in the summer. If that is what it's about, if it's about money and brand extension, that's a given. I think that's uh, what it was last summer. The difference is that the club's lost revenue as a consequence of COVID. It's bound to have done. That will be a pressing factor. Um the open question over Sergio's future. I think that hopefully he's keeping him like a, a pit bull waiting for the fight and he's going to explode onto the pitch on Wednesday and he'll start him and we'll see what he can do in those tight games where you need Sergio in the Champions League to pull one out of the bag. Um, I think Haaland, it's quite obvious to me that the lad's a talent, um, but remember it's Dortmund where he's playing. Um, we've got to see I think a little bit more before we start laying down the big books. I think it's a risk, but he's very much a, a different kind of player to what Guardiola's used to, to having in his team, I think. With the exception of sort of Lewandowski, the, I think Guardiola's only ever had short, agile players playing in the front of his teams that he's managed. Yeah. So that would be a a different style that maybe we'd have to uh, have. Um, and, and it seems as though we've got a decent style for the Premier League, um, thought to be one of the more physical leagues. So that's that's an open question. De Bruyne is an interesting one. 
um, he's quite right to be putting his hand up and saying, I should match whoever's coming in here for, for what I'm paid because he is an outstanding uh, footballer. Um, we've managed quite well, ironically, in the period where De Bruyne has been injured. And today, he clearly wasn't um, at the races. He was exceptional in some of the things he executed. But that match sharpness surely won't be there after just uh, after just 45 minutes or an hour. So that's got to be built up. So it's it's really, um, it's a question of, is it money or is it about team development? I think well, recruit- you, you now, Andy, I've, I've put it all out on a plate for us, which mm. is great. Mm-hmm. Now, let's hear your opinion. What, what I mean, you are a fan at the end of the day. Do you want to see Messi? Do you want it? I mean, we're assuming it's an either or. Surely City are not going to be able to fork out. I'll, I'll be honest you know. with you. I'll be honest with you. I think that we just have to wait and see how this season pans out. And um, as, as a fan, I would like to see if we've got the team now good enough to win the Champions League. Because I think we've demonstrated that all but maybe one season that we're the outstanding Premier League team of this period and um, you know with all the squad depth is obviously good the recruitment's been good uh, players are struggling to get in the team you know Sergio being one of them Amaric Laporte another you know these are top class players that's what you want I'm sure I'm sure that Steve would agree you know to have that kind of hunger and desire to want to take the shirt off someone's a very important thing and I think that's what hasn't been happening, perhaps with Liverpool, is that they've been playing the same old players for the same three seasons and they're worn out. Um, so if I'm looking at it from a sustainable uh, position, I'd like to see whether or not we've got the what got the guts to get past the quarterfinal first, because that's that's the next uh, the next one we've got to to prove, isn't it, that we're actually good enough to get into the last four and hopefully even to a final. I know that's terrible as a match-going fan to even think of uh, us getting that far without without being able to go. But no, I think um, we don't have to make decisions yet. I think the club should sit tight and and review things, maybe even as late as uh, as, as as late May, early June. Let me give you a couple of the replies I've had on social media. Carl, who's an American City fan who we've had on the podcast a couple of times before, excellent talker always. Um, so his comment is, um, who comes close in our squad? He's, he's given a, a grid, really, of Messi's number of assists and goals, etc. So basically, he's saying that we should get Messi. Uh, imagine playing alongside KDB, Bernardo, Gundogan, Foden and Sterling. Uh, the board management will do the right thing. Messi is not too old. The idea that he's too old is a myth. Martin Wilde by Twitter says, has to be Haaland for me. I think he'll bring another dimension to an already diverse City squad. It will be nice to see Lionel in a blue shirt, but it will be the revenue it will produce rather than the growth of the team. Of course, City could do both. Um Iri Itis, who I think is, I'm not sure what, where that, I'm not going to say what, where that flag's from because I'll get it wrong, but he's, um, he's from another country other than England <laughs> um, and says, no one is indispensable. Um, I heard a wise man say that in football, clubs, players and players are mercenaries, not supporters. Obviously, Steve's an exception to that. Um, and the owners come and go. City has to uh, show that they manage without KD, KDB. So if he has to 
do and go, then it, that, do whatever's right for him. Um, I hope Patrick Rock says, I hope Sergio gets another year, even if he doesn't play that many matches. It would be unthinkable for him to leave with a bad taste in the mouth. Let's see him play his last match in front of a full ground. And that's not something we've particularly discussed, but I think that's relevant as well. Uh, Richard Barter says, build for the future, on-pitch success and team ethic over a superstar and resulting circus. Alfie's lad, please. Uh, Michael Thompson, Harland, the only answer, as after that it stops being about football. Um, Andy T, definitely not Messi. Uh, build it through football, not on the back of a name. Um, so there's a few different views there. I could carry on, or maybe I'll read another couple out later, but um, the, the, there's definitely a big split, in my opinion, among the supporters. So which side of that split are you on, Amy? I personally don't want Messi. I mean, I like him. He's an amazing footballer and I will never doubt that he, he isn't. If I was going to take either of them, I would say Haaland, but is it more of a nostalgia thing because of Alfie? I don't know. Um, but I, I think Messi is just like, he, you know, he comes with the big massive price tag and I think it, it does. I know they always say there's no sentiment in business and I suppose when you do need to like, pay, you know, get your money back that you've lost, I suppose... You know, you are going to look at Messi. Messi will bring in things, but it's it's not about, you know, I know they always say, like, you know, it's not about football, it's not about the fans anymore. But I think City have to think logically about it. And if I was going to have either of them, I would pick, I would pick Haaland. I really would. Um, I'm not a big fan of Mbappe. I think he's got a big, massive chip on his shoulder. Um, but I've said before, it's, you know, don't don't bro. You know, don't fix something that's not broke. Um, I, in my personal opinion, I'd rather have who we've got, and I I would hate that. You know, Kevin De Bruyne would get chucked out. You know, well, he'll feel like he needs to be chucked out because of like silly little rumours that are going around. Um, but yeah, I I personally don't want Messi. If he comes, he comes. I'll support him no matter what. You know, I I support anyone who pulls on a blue shirt. But personally, I don't want Messi to come to City, and I'm sorry if that upsets people, but upsets the viewers. And but that's just the way I feel. I'm speaking as a fan, and that's how I feel. And you're entitled to to have that view, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who agree with you, Steve. You might have an interesting take in this on the basis that. Um, when you left City, um, I, I know you've spent a lot of your lifetime in America, and I know that a long, long time ago, back in 1979, um, I went over to New York to see the Cosmos uh, when Dennis Stewart had just signed for them, uh, and he actually yeah. replaced Pele, and that team that Dennis played in had uh, Franz Beckenbauer in it and one or yeah. two other great, great players, and that was when the NASL the North American mm -hmm. Soccer League was trying to compete. We know the MSL now is, is the one that City and, and Premier League yeah. are up against. Um, but they were big, bringing big names in. And so it was purely a mercenary thing. Pele played at the end of his career and tried to put New York Cosmos on the map. Um, I don't know whether that gives you a different perspective being where you are and, and having that experience in the States. But is Messi yeah. purely... Uh, about the the image of the club and is there a risk that the image could actually be destroyed rather than improved by bringing him in? 
Well, getting back onto that uh, that trip, what City went to to New York to play the Cosmos. That's my that was my first trip with the first team, and uh, and they actually played half a game against you know at that time some of the best players in the world as well. I think we got beat in that game. I think it's like two one. I think we got beat. But uh, that was an amazing experience to go to New York to be with the first team and to play the Cosmos at the time. Um, it, it's it's crazy that I think Messi is one of the best players that I've ever played the game. And I'm saying, don't sign him. I never thought I'd ever say that. I, I just think the players that City have got right now are, are playing amazing. We've got so many players that can play in that, you know, in that midfield position. I, I wouldn't even, I think it's, I think they've really gelled and I think we can continue to get better as well. Um, I think De Bruyne will sign. I mean, he acts as his own agent, doesn't he? De Bruyne does. So basically, he'll go in there and they'll say, how much do you want, Kevin? And he'll tell them and I think he'll sign. Um, he's turned down one offer. I, I mean, that seems to be, that seems to be accepted right. at the moment. And he's turned down one. Right. I think, I think he'll end up, I think he'll get what he wants. Uh, I don't think they're going to want him. I don't think they'll let him go. So you don't buy into um, the theory that if Messi comes in on half a million pound a week, that KDB then says, well, I want half a million pound a week then. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he's going to get what he wants, whether he has to match that or not. And I don't, I, I, I'm hoping Messi doesn't come. And like I said, I can't believe I'm even saying that, that one of the best players to ever play the game, I'm saying, I hope he doesn't come. Um, as it on the forward side as well, I mean, what Aguero, you can't say anymore what he's done. Um, but I'd love to see Haaland now at City. It, that's that would be the one that I I would sign. I think he's I think he's got everything, and more than anything, he is a natural goal scorer, and he will score goals. He'll score goals at any level, and with the players that City have got to create. I think I love. Uh, believe me, I love. I love to sign both of them. But um, if we are signing one, I hope we get Haaland. If we sign both of them, we can play with ten men and we'll win the league. Kevin Parker, who is the general secretary of the supporters club, uh, said, "As we've seen with Liverpool this season, if you don't keep adding to your squad, you stand still or move backwards. In an ideal world, Haaland and Messi would be great." As for KDB, he will sign, I'm sure. If not, we move on. So he's pretty much agreeing with you on that, Steve. Um, Tevez says KDB is 30 this summer. He wants a big payday. We might be right to cash in. I would pass on Messi. I think he would cause big problems. Sign Alfie's lad. Uh, CBDS4S. Great names, these on Twitter, aren't they? Um, why not both? He said, King Clads is my favourite player of all time. And the only way to that will change is if Messi signs for City and wins the first Champions League with us. Though another contender is Phil Foden. Too early for that, though, just yet. We'd have to win the World Cup. And Michael um, says, we have to throw everything in, into getting Haaland. Messi is a vanity project. Now, you've listened to quite a lot of comments there, uh, Andy. And you kicked us off by... 
relatively speaking, sitting on the fence and uh, <laughs> and, and, and giving us all up, putting everything really? on the plate and giving us giving us the the mm. menu, but without really tucking into the meal. So have you? Does that change your mind? That does uh, that push no. you in one direction or not? No, I'm going to stay right there on the fence with another comment, and it's all about it, uh, the contract of Guardiola. Because let's be honest, if you're Alfie Harland and you've been asked to make a decision, uh, sorry, Erling Garland, uh, to make a decision about City, the first question you're going to be asking is, how long's Pep around? So if we talk, if if, and I do agree, by the way, that Harland would be a sensational signing um, and a, a kid to develop, I'm sure, under Pep. But yeah. then we're back to that Pep discussion. Well, he signed a two-year extension, and that made me think when he did that 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 Messi was going to come and sign mm. a two-year contract. I mean, it might be a a bigger contract with the CFG, and it might involve mm. him playing in New York or being an ambassador. But it feels like if he's going to come to City, probably a couple of years that that would fit in with Pep. And that I thought at some point we were going to see Sergio Aguero um, also extend by maybe a year or two on the basis that he rooms with uh, Messi and he's a big mate of his and that he wouldn't want to miss out if, if uh, you know, Messi came to City, would he? Well, it gets a bit crowded uh, because you're going to have to make room, aren't you? And I think that's when it gets a bit tricky when you've got so many players. Um, and I think this has been obviously something Guardiola's had to manage before, especially at Barcelona, um, where, the, you know, the embarrassment of riches coming in from uh, their youth development, as well as the players who weren't really getting into the first team, into their sort of early to mid-20s because they had to wait so long. So I think it's something Guardiola can manage. Uh, and the idea of having Messi and Haaland in, in the club is, is mouth-watering, to be honest, because they're not, they're not drop-ins for the same position. Um, and so if the club wants to, to think about that, if there's a paycheck that we could offload Kevin uh, and Sergio, dare I say, sorry, Amy, um, the, lad's <laughs> not seen, the lad's not seen his son during COVID. You know, that's got to be playing on his mind. And, and you know, he does, he does have ties to Independiente. So you'd have to say that that might be in his thoughts. He looked, uh, you know, if looks could kill, the way he looked today uh, when he saw Gabby Jesus going on, uh, yeah. that was a bit, that was a telling look. <laughs> so, so I think there's still an awful lot to, to, to run in this season, to be honest. So I'm going to stay on the fence uh, and say, really, if you pushed me, I'd say I'd like both of them to come and Kevin to sign. There you go. Very different in your day, Steve, wasn't it? Because um, there weren't, there wasn't a squad of twenty-two players. You know that that wasn't what the managers that were your bosses were controlling. It was a first team with one or two substitutes, yeah. really, wasn't it? Yeah, one sub, one sub. That was it. And uh, you know, it was what they used to do um, when I when I was at City. They just said, you know, there were thirteen players. It did. If for the game on the Saturday to put it up on in the first team dressing room, that there'd be thirteen players would attend the game, you know. And then, you know, obviously there's one sub, and then just in case, you know, if anybody was, uh, you know, got sick overnight, the thirteenth man, you know, we will, you know, end up being sub. 
So it was only one sub at that time, and um, it'd be great now because the, the opportunities. I mean, you have that you have that many you have that many subs. You know, nowadays, I mean, it's, I mean, look at City's bench today. I mean, that was like uh, the bench was uh, the, the bench. What they've got is so strong. I mean, that, put it this way: if you played that bench today, they'd finish in the top four. You know, I mean, it's, that's how strong it is. Um, no, it wasn't like that. And that many times as well, you know, we'd put, a, we'd put a sub, you know, you'd put your sub on and then somebody like like myself would pull a hamstring and then you're not coming off. You've just got to stay on. So uh, surely it would have been nice. And also with that many subs now, you've got a chance of playing, you know, more games. I'm surprised that Pep as well. Surprised that Pep only, you know, he's only been using, you know, he used just one sub, I think, today. We had the concussion sub as well today. I don't know if that was the first one, but it it looked to me as though our our, uh, coaching staff were perplexed and didn't understand what it was. Uh, And obviously there was a, it looked genuine holding, getting uh, obviously um, a knee, a knee in the head. Um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that that players are now going to be taken away for assessment. I think that's the good thing. But mm. clearly, that opens up the discussion about the tactical benefits of having that. Um, you know, and players feigning, perhaps unless there's unless oh, they're you skeptic, put- Andrew. But oh, I sorry. Oh, when sorry. I was watching a game sorry. with my family, I said exactly the same thing as you're saying. So it's very simple. You know- it's very simple. You do it like this. If a player has to go off for an HIA and he doesn't come back, there should be a mandatory number of games that he's not allowed to play. And that gets rid of that. It's what yeah. we do in rugby. So yeah. I think that that's got to that's got well, to come in, in line. The, the game Andy, did, you see, oh, did you see the game previously? The, um and he got smacked in the face and there was just blood everywhere. He stayed on. Nobody sent him off, mm. and I think that injury was far worse than what than yeah. what than what Rob yeah. had. Okay. And like uh, Rob, Rob, um, his uncle is one of my very very good friends, and obviously, I when I've gone on Facebook, his uncle Neil's been like, "Oh, our Rob's like you know fell over his own eyelashes and things like that." <laughs> oh, you little uh, name dropper, you. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Quite, it's quite funny, really, you know, like, because if, if Rob's playing, because Neil's a United fan, so if Arsenal are playing United, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a thing and it's quite funny, really. <laughs> Ian, the, 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 the way the game is now, uh, the way players go down, the way players, when they, you know, when they get tackled, and it's not like you can really tackle anymore anyway in the game. You know, all like tackling from behind, like when I was playing, that's gone. That's why another dream right now would be to play because you can't, you can't get really whacked by a defender. So it is, it's, it's like a forward stream where, you, you know, you can play with your back to um, the goal where you, somebody's not going to come through you and take you out and take the ball as well. I think some of the players when I was playing would probably get sent off just there uh, in the tunnel, you know, because we had some uh, tough players as well. But um, like I said, the way they go down and you, you can hear them screaming. I mean, the, when I, I, I was mm. brought up being taught, do not show any fear. If you get kicked, and there was nothing of me as well. You know, I was light as a feather, but 
I was basically taught if you get kicked, you just get you get up, you get up, and that's it. So I get when I see players, you know, rolling around, you know, just way too much. That's uh, that doesn't go down too well with me. That. How long have you been in Florida now, Steve? Um, well, I came to America. I was uh, I've been over here now 30, 34 years. And yet, yeah. and yet, you still said defender. In a very <laughs> oh, yeah. Still got your man captain. It's crazy, isn't it? I know. I think people think I've been here thirty days. Never mind thirty years. Let, let me let me for the last part of this this podcast um, throw it forward now to the Champions League because, as I say, it looks like um, I, I'm quite happy to say this. Uh, and I've said it before, City are going to cruise through this league. It's not a problem. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the only real contenders are Leicester. Um, and somebody asked me the other day, is it United or Liverpool you fear the most? And I just said, Leicester. Well, that's, you know, that's where we are. When it comes to the Champions League, the, the, the tournament that certainly the club and presumably Pep target as the number one. I know a lot of City fans not necessarily see it that way, but that, that is where the club are going. Uh, it's Borussia Mönchengladbach. It's, it's in a neutral country, which to me feels, if I'm being honest, a little bit like the integrity of the competition is compromised by that happening. Um, I've said before, and I don't harp on about it, but I'm not a big fan of football being played in this pandemic, full stop. But we are where we are. Um, now that that is in a neutral country, in an empty stadium, and the way City are playing... I see them cruising past Borussia Mönchengladbach, to be fair, whereas if this had been in Germany in a full stadium, I'd have been a lot more anxious about the, the results. Right. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, do you, do you, just, do you, are you agreeing with me or do you think that this is a tricky tie for City? Um, I, I don't, Ian. I think, I think we'll go. I think we'll go and I think we'll win. I think we'll win big as well. Yeah, I really do. I just think they're playing with, they're playing with so much confidence. And like I say, today wasn't like a classic game or anything, but hey, this is the first game in, in what, like, you know, 16, 17 games where we've not really been on our game. So I think, I think, we'll, I think we'll just go, um, you know, and perform and have a really good win. Not not fearing this team at all. Do you think that no. the, the, to the other two of you, do you think anything should be different about the way that City play in this uh, game on Wednesday or do you just see it as like another Premier League game? I just think we should play as we're playing um, we're doing really really well um, yeah just uh, like you say though a neutral ground it's different isn't it, it you know you you, uh, you know like you say when you've got fans in there you, if it was like the Etihad you'd obviously have our fans you know cheering on or you know like you say if it was in Germany it'd be the, you know the other way around but yeah, it'd be it'd be, um, it'd be good to see how the match plays out. But yeah, I think I think we'll be fingers crossed. I think we'll be okay. Andrew, um, it must be Sunday. I got me Sunday name. The <laughs> uh, <your> church name. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, we shouldn't have a problem. I don't think. Although Gladbach have pulled out a couple of surprise results in the Bundesliga against Bayern recently. Uh, but, you know, they drew 3-3 with a team battling for relegation the other night. So there's all sorts of crazy results going on. I think if Pep starts meddling again with our system, as he did 
in previous uh, troubled encounters in the Champions League, I'd be worried. But if we just go out, and I think I said it before, who's going to beat this team? This is a you know this is a hell of a run, and it's not by accident. And it's it's yeah. all been coming with uh, building up of um, of really a very very solid platform. And uh, you know I, th- I think it was a bit early to call it uh, back in sort of November time, but Diaz was so impressive when he came to the club. <clears throat> I actually think we've got somebody there who's really going to become an absolute huge player for us just because of his uh, presence and his vocal uh, support for players around him, how he's uh, clearly helped John Stones come on this season. I think there's something really strong in this team and it's it's down to us to throw it away. So I think it's, it's, it's in the head now, not on the pitch. And I think there should be no difficulty getting past. And I think we're going to have to lay both games in Budapest. I presume that the return leg isn't going to be in Manchester. Yeah, it's so, at the Etihad, apparently. Well, on the Etihad. I'm not sure. I, I, I think it depends on travel restrictions and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's starting to get a bit silly. We're playing all over the place again. And, obviously, uh, it's nearly 12 months to the day that we enjoyed our little trip to Madrid, Mr Cheeseman. Yeah. And, the th- and the thought of these games being played without us is killing me to be honest. So um, as much as I want us to get through, um, I just hope and pray that there's a possibility if we do get towards the latter stages that there's going to be a uh, over 50s vaccine only trip organised <laughs> by the club. <laughs> well, I, hey, man, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, Andy. <laughs> nice one, Steve. Yeah, we just really... I'm sorry, Amy. Yeah. You, sorry, you're, you're Amy, you can't come. I'll just get a fake hey, ID. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see the news item this week? Um, I forget where it was. Somewhere in the states, I think, where two two women uh, put makeup on and, uh, and a head yes. head scarf yeah, they... and everything, and tried to mm. get the vaccine by looking older. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> could you? Like... <laughs> my my my, he- my hair does that for me, so I'll I'll get away with it. Like you know, I have to hide it. <laughs> I mean, those are way trips anyway. The average age is about four forty nine. At least, so I don't. I don't really see it being any different, uh, you know, going forward. <clears throat> well, as we sit here now, obviously on a Sunday evening in England, tomorrow the Prime Minister of England is going to start to talk about how we might come out of the situation we're in at the moment. And one of the questions that I'm very curious about, as a selfish person, of course, is whether or not this League Cup final at the end of April might still be a possibility for some fans, a test event. They talked about it potentially being a test event. Um, you wonder whether the Champions League will stay, still take place in Istanbul, particularly if there are t- clubs travelling a long way. And if there's any prospect of fans being allowed in somewhere else, you wonder whether that could be something that would be moved. I mean, Amy's always already hinted at the, uns- well, you both said really about the uncertainty of the second leg of the Champions League game against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I'm not aware of the, a firm decision I've been, having been made yet, but it's certainly up in the air. Um, another reason why I, I think the integrity has gone, but because we're City fans, if City win the lot this year, Everybody will be happy. Mm-hmm. If we were watching another club doing this in exactly the same situation, yeah. we would be saying all the other things about integrity and yeah. it's not a real... You know, that that's the peculiar situation we're in, isn't it? 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on the it happened with Liverpool, didn't it? Everyone was mm. like, "Oh, you've you've won all these things in, in a non in a non league. It's non thingy. It's non league. It's not thingy." So. Yeah, we're, if we win everything, we'll get them. Nobody's there. We'll get the same things, though. I, I'm waiting for the backlash. <laughs> <laughs> you know, about about the Wembley trip, Ian, uh, I was reading today that uh, I think the FA are dead keen to make sure they put on that event if the uh, government allows them, uh, not least because, obviously, of the Euros. Uh, but now, to go one step further, they're actually pitching it that because... By then, they're now seeing the numbers drop so fast that we'll be the safest country in Europe to potentially hold the whole Euros tournament. So I think they've got a lot of motivation to try and get uh, fans back into stadium, uh, particularly, obviously, those of a certain age. Um, I think we've got to have uh, some kind of online poll for this uh, now, you know, uh, to make to make sure they're looking after the ones who were there when we were really rather poor. And, um, yeah. you know, I think that's, joking apart, it does look as though the FA's going to be uh, probably supported by the government because clearly that's going to be a big political win if UEFA have to say, OK, we're going to have to put it in the country that acted the fastest with regard to vaccination rollout. So that, that'll be an interesting one. So that might help us. Well, let's leave the, the last word on this podcast to our special guest, Steve, who I'm sure um, I'll speak to again in the non-too-distant future, and perhaps we'll do a, a, a bit more of Ian, a profile. Ian, I know, I, know, I know you will find me. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no chance of me not finding you, really, is there? So how, how confident are you ahead of Wednesday and, and for the rest of the season? Well, like I said, I, I think... You know, I, I think we'll beat. I think we'll win the league cup as well. I think we'll beat. Uh, I think we'll beat Tottenham. Um, I think. Um, obviously, I think we, obviously the league. I think I know it's silly when you say oh, it's already done because there's a lot of games to play. But I, I, I can't see us losing. You know, can't see us losing three or four games. And at the same time, you know, the other teams are going to still drop points as well. So I think the league's already sewn up. And like you said, you just don't know in the in the Champions League. You know, you just don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that we get there to the final and perform. And if we keep performing like this, I mean, why can we not? You know, I know we can win it. Absolutely. We've certainly, well, got, we've certainly, got, certainly got the players. That's for sure. Um, Steve, it's been delightful to have you on the podcast. Um, thank you very much for your time. Um, thanks to Andy and to Amy. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, who are Chartered Mortgage Advisors and are a big supporter of this podcast, for which I'm very grateful because without their support, there might not be a podcast. Um, thanks very much for you for listening um, and for subscribing because it's free. And I've always made sure that everything I do, whether it be on YouTube or on SoundCloud or iTunes, wherever you get the the various content that I produce from, that it's always free for you. Um, who knows whether I can maintain that, you know, in the future. But for now, at least, everything is free. So thanks very much for, for your support, for, for listening. And, uh, and always remember, it's great to be a Blue. <laughs>